To me, disciplining is more about having that conversation. It's about listening, listening with empathy. But for example, it might be about staying out late. So say the child wants to stay out till two o'clock in the morning. As a family, you should have sat together with your child and made those ground rules as well as the consequences beforehand. Hi, I'm Murtaz Versi, and this is Engage, Relate, Perform, the show that helps leaders and organizations drive long-term results by fostering relationships and enhancing engagement. If you're looking to seriously improve your team's performance while impacting lives and succeeding at driving long-term results, then this is the show for you. It doesn't matter that you already have that dream title or simply curious about how far you can challenge yourself. I'll be giving you practical tips, relevant commentary, and valuable insights about how you can engage and utilize relationships with talent, community, and other stakeholders around you to achieve the best results and help them stick long-term. Get all the latest information at mutazaversi.com forward slash pod. Once again, it's M-U-R-T-A-Z-A-V-E-R-S-I dot com forward slash pod. Parenthood is a rewarding experience and it definitely elevates the lives of those who adopt the role. Take it or leave it. Your kids are part of your stakeholders at work and are members of your team in life. No surprise why parenthood will help many develop and hone important leadership qualities like mom and dad are more than just a title. It's a huge responsibility and commitment to improvement, just like leadership. You know, being a father and the journey of leadership myself, I could go on and on and on about the correlation. I already have a couple of episodes about this, but here's a thought. How about we hear from the other side? The people who have to be led by us. No, 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 no. I'm not having a child on my episode. But I'm having an expert on the tween and teen brain. A professional trainer, educator, and her name is Zinat Tower. Zinat, my friend and business partner, holds an MSc in training and human resource management degree from Leicester University. And if you don't know where Leicester University is, it's in the UK. And he's also an accredited mediator and trainer who enjoys volunteering and spends majority part of her spare time assisting community organizations, right? She does great job with the organizations and communities. Having worked in industry both abroad and in Tanzania, Zinat manages to blend global cutting-edge management skills within the cultural context by adapting the content to suit local culture and circumstances. Today, she comes to engage, relate, perform, to give us a sneak peek into the brain of the team to help us create a ripple effect that leadership at home is guaranteed to have in our lives. Really quickly, I want to give you an amazing opportunity to download my very free, very useful, very much for you, ebook titled Engage, Relate, Perform, 90 Days to Conscious Leadership and Performance Culture. It is a 90-day effective guide to get you inspired for your leadership journey daily. These are practical tips you can follow every day to guarantee you give and you get the best out of the existing relationships for long-term results. As I say, it takes 90 days to create a lifestyle. That's what culture means, a way of life. So if you want to do the work 
but still enjoy the journey and above all, look forward to it day by day. Then go to mutazaversi.com forward slash pod and download your copy of Engage, Relate, Perform. 90 days to conscious leadership and sustainable performance. Sinat, Karibu Sana. Thank you very much, Mortesa. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate that. Great. And, uh, you know, everyone's uh, listening to you and I want to know more about this teen, uh, teen uh, brain. So let's get started. Tell us about teen brain. Okay. So um, teen brains are really, really fascinating subjects. Uh, did you know that the brain is the last organ in the body to mature? Hmm. Interesting. Tell us more. So we use our brains for everything, don't we? We use our brains to think, we use our brains to plan. Um, our brain helps our physical bodies to work as well. And the, when I say that it's the last organ to develop, this development takes place uh, during the period of adolescence. So, you know, like you rightly said, the tween and the teen years, but it goes a little further than that as well. So the period of adolescence is typically between 11 to 26 years. Um, and this is the time when the brain is structurally maturing. So physically, it's changing uh, in shape. Uh, it's not that the brain keeps changing. You know, every time we learn something new, our brain is always changing. But around the age of 26, our brain finishes its long process of structural development. So I'm not going to go into too much scientific uh, stuff, but just to kind of give you an idea that there is a lot of activation uh, in the emotion centers that are deep in our brain uh, and that are uh, usually the first ones to develop in individuals. That part of the brain is called the amygdala. And that's where our flight and fight and flee response is. So, you know, when you get scared about something, that's the part that reacts first and foremost, right? And at this teen years, there is continued development in what is known as a prefrontal cortex. And I don't even want you to kind of remember that name. It's the part that's behind your forehead, right? And this is a part that helps us with reasoning, it helps us uh, to think before we act, to make good decisions, to plan, to organize. It's really the CEO of the brain, right? So if you think about what a CEO in an organization does, this is what the prefrontal cortex of the brain does um, at that time. So planning, logistics, uh, making sound decisions, uh, you know, empathizing with people, understanding everything. And what you're really explaining is exactly what happens at work situations, isn't it? Because uh, you want you want to have those decisions, the creativity, uh, everything that comes around with it. And yet we forget that the teen is where we start probably developing or helping to develop that, that perspective. And yet we want our workforce to uh, come out and be creative, uh, to be uh, reasoning, to make, to be more empathetic. Okay, tell us more about that. That's so interesting. Yeah, and um, you know, you you mentioned a, a little about we want our people at the workplace to be more creative. You know, think uh, with good decisions, etc. But it's not the fault also of people in the workplace. It's not the fault of anybody. There is research out there, but 
How many of us really have access to that research? How many of us know of that research in a layperson's terms? You know, I only came across this when, you know, my my older daughter was growing up and I attended a workshop on it. You know, the school counselor had a workshop on teen brains and I, I was fascinated by that because I could see what was happening to my child. Um, and, you know, I, I was very confused and so was my kid, you know, what's happening to me kind of a thing. Uh, and, you know, to understand, I, I really wanted to know uh, what was happening. So, so really, you know, um, there are two sides of the brain. I want to just put it like in an easy way for you. We have an impulsive side. We have a cautious side. And when kids are teenagers, right, it's the impulsive side of the brain that's forging ahead, that's charging ahead. And the cautious side of the brain is still playing catch up. And if you think about your kid, uh, for example, Murtaza, or a lot of listeners think about their kids, you know, it's really kids will will work really impulsively without giving thought to what's going to happen later, right? They're very much in the moment. They're very much present, but not a lot of thought is given to what's going to happen later unless we nurture that, right? Unless we give them safe environments to help them work that through. Zenat, it's so interesting that you say that because when you look at workplace environment, uh, we are told that as leaders that we need to be more mindful. Whilst at young age, they're more mindful and they leave the presence. While as we grow old, is there any any relationship with that? Yeah. So, so when I say being in the present, it doesn't mean that they are focused in the present totally. They're not aware of the consequences. When you're mindful, you are aware of consequences that are going to take place. Right. So, so what do we need to do to nurture this this young uh, young teens so that you know they feel like they are valued and they are seen? Yeah, and these things start what is that from all angles of where this child is. So, if you imagine the child in the middle and the environment around the child, so you know that consists of their families, you know whether it's their immediate family or you know uh, other uh, parts of the families. Also their school network, you know, the schools that they go to and the relationships that they build there. It's also religious communities that they're connected with, religious organizations, you know, other also uh, environments that they're connected to. Their friends, right, who play a huge role uh, in, in you know, uh life, right? So all of these, you know, would have some say in how we develop uh, and focus on, on and, and nurture basically the team, right? So when you say, how do we do that? So, um, you know, I, I wanna give you a few examples of how teenagers have managed to do that under a nurturing environment, right? So and, basically giving them the leadership role. That's what I wanna really look at as well. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't really say, I mean, who is a leader? Is it the one with the title? I wouldn't say that. I mean, anybody mm -hmm. is a leader, I, right? Absolutely. That's what we talk about. Mm -hmm. right. As long as you can show the way forward. So 
you know, um, we have thousands of examples of teenagers or adolescents who have managed to do amazing, amazing stuff. Uh, we know all of us of Malala Yousafzai, right, who's an activist for female rights to education. Uh, we know of Greta Thunberg now, uh, who at the age of 15 became a climate change activist, even talked to the United Nations about climate change. Uh, but then there are others that we may not always know of. Uh, you know, Kylie Simmons, who is an 11-year-old uh, cancer survivor, invented a chemotherapy bag because she needed to carry her chemotherapy equipment around with her so she could go to school. You have amazing things that are done by teens across a range of things from activism uh, to innovation to entrepreneurship. Um, if I give you an example of entrepreneurship, uh, Mosiah Bridges, who was a nine-year-old, launched his own homemade bow tie business from home. Kenneth Shinazuka, a 15-year-old grandson of an Alzheimer patient, created a sensor for patients with dementia because they would get lost all the time, right? You know, the Parklands, Florida students uh, voiced their views about gun reform, and they did that through social media. Remember, social media plays a huge role in our kids' lives as well. For the better, sometimes, and sometimes not for the better. It's how we help our kids nurture this. Right? That was my next question. How do you do that at yeah. home? You know, if as parents, uh, and parents are typically the ones who are around the kids, right? If as parents we can have our kids trust us um, and, you know, they can see us as a guiding light for them, they will begin to build rapport and, uh, you know, connect with what it is that we want to do. They may not always agree with what we have to say, you know, in the short term, but eventually they will, right? So, you know, I, I'm thinking about how do we as parents nurture leadership skills, which is one of your main topics, right? In our family, you know, when since our kids have been small, um, we've had family meetings and family meetings are not like, you know, a CEO holding a meeting, but it's about simple things in life. You know, where do we want to go on holiday, for example? And you might wonder, well, you know, what's the big deal about that? Well, if you have a six-year-old who is chairing a meeting, right? Chairing. Chairing a meeting. So you actually, you actually let your child chair the meeting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. And, you know, you're, you're saying to them that, look, you are the person who has to listen. You are the person who has to understand how everybody feels about something, right? So imagine that, you know, people are talking in this family about going on holiday to Zanzibar. But one of the siblings wants to go scuba diving. Another sibling in the family is scared of water. You build empathy skills when the child will listen and say, well, I hear you that you really enjoy scuba diving, but this other sibling of ours is really scared of water. That's understanding the feelings of someone. But it's also building consensus, right? Because you're trying to get everybody on the same page. And that's not easy, even in a family situation. So, you know, you are helping, you know, children develop these skills in a safe environment where the child is not judged, right? And so you have your ground rules beforehand and say, you know, the outcome of this is there's no judging anybody, right? 
and you follow through with that. But as a parent, you know, you have to be the guide. So then that's that's interesting because if anybody you look at the work environment, how many of us as CEOs, and I wouldn't like to say leaders, but as CEOs, right? How many of us really allow our workforce to drive the meeting, to actually help them build their confidence? Because wherever you go, wherever I go, I hear team is not performing. Uh, and what you're telling me is really a, a relation between a parent and a child versus a CEO and a workforce. And, and we do that, our behaviors at work and our behaviors at home really uh, relate. So does it mean to say that how we behave at work, we will also behave in the same way at home? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Sometimes you can leave, you can do different things at home and do different things at work, right? The idea is to respect individuals uh, for having potential. Uh, and just like you're not going to be a helicopter parent in that you do everything for your child, you're going to allow them in that safe environment to make mistakes. So coming back to a family meeting, you know, a child says, you know, the child is cheering, you know, six or seven years old and says, don't you know that your sibling, uh, you know, doesn't like scuba diving? The parent can guide them and say, well, you're the chair. That's not how we talk. And you're bringing them back in that safe environment and say, you know, what's a nicer way to communicate this information, right? But it's a safe environment, non-judgmental, not just CEOs, but, you know, heads of departments, team leaders, etc. We can all empower our staff, right? Just by allowing them that opportunity to show off their skills or to hone in their skills or to, to really nurture them so that they can grow as well. Right? Which is interesting then to say, uh, then to pointed out that do we uh, then become friends with my with our kids? Do we have that friend relationship with our kids? What do we do? How do we manage that? So our kids have enough friends. Huh? They have plenty of friends in their lives, right? Some who will show them, you know, the right way to move, some who may not do so um, as much. And I think, you know, for me, it's more about being a friendly parent rather than being a friend of my child. And what do I mean by that? By being a friendly parent, it's I have to role model ethics. I have to role model empathy. I have to be there to support and encourage my child. I have to be a guide for my child through role modeling. And we all know that role modeling is one of the best ways uh, that children learn right? Our children, adults, everybody. I mean, we have mirror neurons. Uh, you know, when I smile, you smile, right? Uh, because those neurons are in our brain that allow us to do that. And if you remember also that this is a time, and I, I said this uh, right at the beginning, that this is a part of the brain that's developing, uh, the prefrontal cortex, which is right behind your forehead. And what is it doing? It's developing uh, but it's not developed. And this is the part that's do with judgments, making good judgments, decision-making, planning, organizing, empathy, etc. So as, as a parent, we need to be a guide for our kids, not to do things for them, but to guide them, to support them, to encourage them. And and when you, and so when you look at it in, in, in a different perspective, then there might be a time where a child does not do what is expected uh, of him or her to do. Uh, how, how do we manage that situation? What should we do in that situation? What do you think needs to be done? So first and foremost, we need to ask ourselves the question, are they doing something that is uh, not safe for them? 
or are they doing something that we don't want them to do because we would have wanted something else done in our lives, right? So do we want our children to be a mini me? And a mini myself is going to be, you know, I will decide my children need these uh, things in their lives. They have to have a career, for example, like the one I wanted, but I couldn't get, right? Remember that each child is an individual with a different personality, a unique personality. They have special interests, likes, dislikes that are very different from you, right? So they're not a mini you as a parent. So once we've done that and we change our mindsets about what it is that we want, uh, and, and then we see this is how we want our kids to kind of grow up with good values. You know, I'm not saying we don't have the values, uh, you know, ingrained in them, but we need to role model that. So to me, disciplining is more about having that conversation. It's about listening, listening with empathy. But for example, it might be about staying out late. So say the child wants to stay out till two o'clock in the morning. As a family, you should have sat together with your child and made those ground rules as well as the consequences beforehand. So you might say the family come to an agreement. 11.30 is what this family is going to decide as coming back late. And this is, this is you know, you can't go beyond that. And if you do, then there are consequences that the child has agreed to in advance as well. So they're very aware. They may not like it, but they're very aware of the consequences that are going to be there. So even when you follow through with those consequences and what is our following through with consequences is not just you, the one parent parenting, it's both sets of parents, right? It's both parents, basically. You know, if I say one thing and my spouse says something else, then I might be known as a mean mom and the dad might be known as a good dad, right? And that's not what we want. We don't want kids, uh, you know, building those differences right at that age. Both that the parents need to be in agreement that these are the consequences and we're going to uphold them. So when you discipline your child, it's not really about, you know, it's the consequences your child has to follow through. They're not going to like it, uh, but they will respect you for it. And respect continues, doesn't it? It's, yeah. it's not. I mean, it sounds a little bit like CEO and the HR, right? Uh, HR being uh, the mom and the CEO being the dad, and he wants to be seen as good. But it's actually getting the child to be able to perform because you are there as a guide and you're not there as a boss, right? You're not there as a friend. You're pretty friendly with them. Uh, they understand the expectation and the consequences of not meeting that expectations, right? And, and And... And it, made it clear. Yeah, and, 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 and really giving them the opportunity of leading so that they build up their 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 brains as they go up, understanding how do they relate to people, how do they engage with them, right? How do they really get the meaning or you know build up the values that they uphold in the family? And, and that's where I see there the way we handle a child and as human beings what we like to do is we like to call a person a ceo but also that ceo can be a mother or a father but at the end of the day they are leaders we just understand the roles and responsibilities by defining and that's what we talk at noesis we said you know you don't have to have a position to be a leader 
you can be a great mom and still be a leader and you could you could be um, a team leader at your workplace or you could be just a person who is doing clerical job and yet show great leadership because you already carrying that leadership aspect from your family perspective right and you know that's that's so so nice and so insightful uh zinat thank you for joining us asante sana for showing up zinat but i just need uh, to answer uh, questions that's left by our previous guest uh, uh, zinat and that was daniel kijo if you were to design a curriculum or a protocol or a system or a training program to allow an individual to become their best self their most successful self how would you set the climate for that like how would you design that how would you bring them up so that this person can excel what what are the ingredients needed for someone to excel and how do you build these ingredients in people so that was a question and you could reply it as a parent you could reply it as a person at workplace i would want you to reply it in the in the in the parent perspective you know parents can do a whole lot um and parents working with school communities working with religious communities for example and if you think about tanzania we're so close to our religious communities right uh and the communities that are around us there is a way to hone in youth leadership uh there is a way to hone in uh you know teenage behavior uh remember we we also kind of talked about brain plasticity but in in very uh, short terms uh and and if i can just quickly uh explain to you what neuroplasticity is or brain plasticity as we know this is happening during the formative years uh of the child of the teenager uh and it's the ability of the brain to adapt to changes in their environment by forming new connections over time so you know really this is how we master new skills uh how we store new memories even recovering after a traumatic uh injury right uh brain injury as well so how can we work as parents we can go back to our environments and we can talk to uh you know communities to look at aspects of service learning and i'm not talking about community service okay and i want to kind of differentiate here between yes tell us more tell us more community service is is um based on more of a savior complex okay um rather than engaging with others to share ideas about diversity culture creativity any other ideas that we have uh we're kind of looking at we know it this is what you need and we're going to give it to you when we look at service learning on the other hand it's a two-way process it's not just you going with what you know it's the other side providing you with an engaging with you that's your engagement uh and collaborating with you to understand their perspective too so it could be diversity it could be language it could be culture uh but you learn a whole lot schools are really great uh you know areas for this to happen because schools can build communities around them and allow their children to engage in service learning aspects as well um and and take leadership roles through that religious organizations recreation centers uh all can do that with parents 
you know, being in the background and pushing them to to support all kind of um, groups. Uh, we know that parents love to help out. We know parents love to volunteer for the kids. I mean, all of us will do that if it's going to benefit our kids. So this is allowing us to break the them and us divide, which is what's happening around the world. I mean, when you look at hate groups, what are they doing? It's a them and us aspect, right? So, but if we begin to understand diversity, culture, et cetera, that kind of comes together. So if I look and if I'm going to develop a training program, I'd like it to be more practical. I'd like it to be uh, building more leadership skills, uh, you know, uh, in kids. And when I'm talking about leadership uh, skills, it's across the board. It's not just kids who are very smart, who are bringing in good academic grades, uh, we're not talking about school prefects here. We're talking about all children at all levels, at all grade levels, getting involved in activities um, of service learning, irrespective of their grade levels, achievement levels, etc. Zenat, our ritual is for you to ask a living question and a question that the next guest would answer. So what's your question? For the next guest. Hmm, that's a good one. I hadn't really thought about that, but the one that comes to mind right away, because I'm talking about uh, adolescents, is what initiatives can employers in Tanzania um, and worldwide, I guess, uh, put in place that can help nurture uh, and develop adolescents? Because now we know this is uh, an amazing time of their life uh, where the neural growth is going to take place and hone in right into adulthood. Uh, so I'd, I'd really like to, to know that. And finally, Zainat, you get 30 seconds to send out a broadcast message to the world on your core philosophy. So there you go. Tell us what you want to tell us. It's about really about developing people, I would say, in different ways, you know, uh, supporting people, uh, encouraging them, guiding them, but doing so in collaboration. Right? I feel collaboration is really important to make bigger things happen. And one of the main things for me is really trying to understand the other person's perspective uh, and to understand uh, you know, diversity, understand other people as well as individuals and bring them together uh, with myself, with my ethos as well, uh, and work together. So yeah, developing people, collaboration, diversity. Fantastic. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Join us again next week, Thursday, on a new episode. And until then, merci beaucoup. Have a nice day. You've been listening to Engage, Relate, Perform, hosted by me, Mutraza Bersi. Make sure you've subscribed to this show so you don't miss a single episode. And be sure to visit mutrazaversi.com forward slash port to download all the resources, show notes, and all the freebies mentioned in this episode, including your copy of my highly effective ebook, Engage, Relate, Perform, 90 Days to Conscious Leadership and Performance Culture, plus extras just for subscribe. Once again, Go to matazaversi.com forward slash pod and get everything you need. And we'll be back next week for more Engage, Relate, Perform.